I think the whole premise of our podcast is talking about navigation. And I think one of those main things is money, you know, um, we weren't born into wealth, but our objective is to create wealth for our family. Um, and so the premise of having a conversation like this is to talk about, um, what are some of the realizations that we've had over the years as we've gone from college students who were together and, you know, you making $50 a week and me making, <laughs> I mean, there was a point in time I was making $50 a week too in regards to income from, you know, church and stuff like that. But navigating through that, um, our relationships with money um, due to our upbringing, as well as just everything, the psychology of money and the things that we learned going through entrepreneurship and how we were able to build new mindsets around it. What would we have done differently mm -hmm. um, if we had to go back and do it all over again? Or what are the things that we learned through that, throughout that process in order for us to now take into this new stage of wealth? We've made, are we talking numbers? I see. I don't know. I mean, I mean like when you when you were thinking about it, were you thinking of okay, what's what was our lessons when we first, like throughout our entire journey of uh, building a life together, yeah, or then, was it like or you what? know giving giving couples an understanding of, I guess what what it looks like to start really at the bottom and then work your way up and then how how you operate in that level and, and stuff like that. Like what are the lessons that you learned? I think it's a multitude of those things though. Like even navigating now to how we are moving forward now that we've turned 30, what is the next decade? Like what are our five year plans when it comes to financials based off of what we did in our twenties, based off of really what we did from 25 to 30, what is different about what we would be doing from 30 to 35, 35 to 40, based off of the lessons that were learned through that process of building. But like, even down to like, what are the things that we have to shift about our mindset from growing up? Yeah. You know? Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? We're your host, Malcolm and Brittany Garrison. And you're listening to Let's Talk About It. Let's Talk About It is a space where we unpack life's transitions and their effects on millennials. As entrepreneurs and millennial parents, we've navigated a lot of life transitions. And we're here to share those experiences with you while challenging perspectives and engaging in open dialogue. Y'all ready? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Welcome back to the Let's Talk About It podcast. Um... I'm your host. <laughs> why, why, we say, why, we, why do we say coming back like we've been gone forever? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Soul Let's Talk About right. the Podcast. Right. Um, so today we're talking about money. Yeah, uh, we're talking about money and, and I guess our dynamic when it comes to money. Yeah, I think every season we have had at least one episode in regards to financial awareness or financial um, knowledge and the things that we've learned and found over time. Um, which obviously we talked about in the soundbite, but um, talk about, let's start with what was your mindset around money when we met? Because we met in a totally different place than we are today, but around money, what was your mindset like? Um, my mindset around money, like when we first met, first of all, I wasn't making a lot of money. I was making $50 per week and that was basically off of my dad's work check or something like that. Mm hmm but then I also had the work study check. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, it really wasn't, I really didn't have a thought when it came to money. It was more so of when I first saw you though, I was like, I don't think I can afford to even like date her. You know That's what I'm saying? Hilarious. 
like so it, it was kind of that mindset it was like mm-hmm. yo i don't make enough to actually <laughs> step to this and girl this is off of my flea market gucci bag yes because think about it though like i'm seeing um i'm in the situation i'm in i'm broke college student yeah i see you coming i see you come up the hall or uh up to spare rock whatever it was the lounge and i don't even think you go to the school right you gotta understand like i didn't think you went to the school so i'm like okay she's grown she looked a little grown i was you was definitely grown but you didn't look like any of these girls on campus you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so when you when i first saw i'm like oh snap nah there's no way i can afford to date her she got a whole gucci i don't know louis bag i don't know what it was it was a duffel bag you had both it was a gucci duffel and a, um, a louis handbag they both was fake I mean, I know where I got them from versus my <laughs> versus the ones I bought from the Gucci store, the Louis store. Yeah. Like, I know I got those off of a corner in Nashville. So, oh my God. But you didn't know you still, I mean, that's not the point. No, obviously, I think. Fake no. until you make it. That's what they call manifestation in 2023. Got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I, so this is my thought, bro. I'm like, yo, there's no way I can afford to date her. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, um, I, I, if I had to, if I had to answer it, I would say probably just scarce. Mm-hmm. Mindset, um, just because I feel like I I wasn't adequate enough mm-hmm. to be able to to step to you, and I wasn't even on that type of time. I think my relationship was money with money was that it was always going to be coming. I think mm-hmm. because I made my, and I think that has that has traveled with me in my entrepreneurship journey and business and everything like that. And I think because I started making money so young, um, whereas, you know, you talking about work study money, I made work study money too. I worked in a dining commons in college, right. but it's like the dining commons didn't compare to my government job. My very first job out of college or my, my freshman semester was working for the government where I was making, you know, $1,200, $1,300 biweekly. And when you start making that kind of money, one, I couldn't even get a job out of high school. I couldn't even get a job my senior summer, like after senior year going into college. I couldn't get a job. I literally, me and my friend Corinne, I'll never forget this. We walked around uh, Forestville Mall area, (laughs) Iverson Mall area, um, where the rainbow is and you know barefoot macy's giant like no nobody would hire me she got a job i didn't get a job and i was just like like what is it like of course obviously i don't have any work history but mm-hmm. bro these are i just feel like i should be able to get a job at rainbow. retail jobs retail yeah. jobs right um and so i didn't have a job that whole summer going into college and then coming out of my freshman year my dad was like you're not about to keep doing that so he had a job waiting for me. I was a data entry technician. I worked from home for a little bit um, for the government, but it was like the check was crazy to be 18. Yeah. $1,200 biweekly after taxes at 18 isn't really common, at least, you know, back then. Um, Cause yeah, I didn't really make a whole salary. None then. of my friends was making that kind of money. You know what I'm saying? Most of my friends were working at rainbow or freelance doing, you know, whatever they wanted to do working at giant. The people I went to high school with, they were working in the grocery store, working retail. I was the only one in my friend group that had a government job. And so I think making that amount of money at the time that I started making it, I felt like I would always have that kind of money coming in. Mm. And so because of that, like I was so frivolous with my spending from that young because you go from trying to figure out how you're going to eat your last couple of weeks of the semester to, oh, now I'm making $1,200. I literally allocated myself five to $600 every check just to buy clothes. Really? Every check. 
Dang. Oh, man. But you experienced it, too, because now that I had my, by the time I got to you, you know what I'm saying? I'm now really, my parents only taught me, and I think you should answer this, too, like, what were the principles around money that you were taught? My parents were very, very, very strict on don't spend all your money. So as long as I didn't spend it all. I was good. Mm. And then if you're a you you know a, a musician like myself, I always had a church situation too. So my church money would be my spending money like throughout the weeks of, you know, I'm making like let's say $100, $150, $200 a Sunday. That's gas money, that's food money. That's $1000 extra a month if it's 200. Yeah. So it's like I didn't have to really start so I, I transitioned to not having to spend my job money to live off of. I lived off my church money. I saved half my job money and spent the rest of it. So you was leveraging your skill to now fund your life? Pretty much. So it's like when you start to look at that, it was just the amount of money that's coming in. I mean, twelve hundred bi weekly, what is that? Twenty four hundred plus a thousand dollars from church. That's thirty four hundred dollars. I'm eighteen, nineteen years old. Yeah, and so no, you're making way more than you know a lot of 18, 19 year olds, uh, especially myself. But <laughs> my parents were really strict on don't spend it all. So as long as you had money where you never had to ask them for anything, you were good. But that's as far as the conversation kind of went. I think I was so there wasn't a lot of discussions around money in my household. But all I ever heard was how expensive things were. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, uh, that's expensive. That's too expensive. Or, this costs too much and stuff like that. So I always had that. I always heard that a lot. So it made me think of, okay, do I have enough money? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? To to do certain things. Mm-hmm. And then my dad had always had me, you know, doing something as far as working to get, to get some money, like mm-hmm. working with him, obviously um, helped me make some money. And when I was making that kind of money for me, I thought it was really good. Cause I was making maybe, I don't know, it would be nice if I make $600, which was pretty good. That's great. But I was really all, always big on saving my money to be able to do something later with it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was more so just to have fun because I went to, you know, private school. So I didn't have a, I didn't I didn't see a lot of my friends throughout the week, but I got to see them on the weekend. So I would save my money throughout the week to be able to, you know, do what I wanted to do on the weekend. But meeting you around that time, like I said, it was it was that scarce mentality of. Uh, do I make enough or will I be enough? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To be able to step to you. So I guess let's let's transition to when we were uh, coming to Atlanta and how that how that shifted. Like, well, before we dynamic? came to Atlanta, there was a shift in my money psychology because I was with you. OK. And how because was you had that mentality, it made me like less spendy because i saw what you did with a little bit i saw how long your 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 and when i say a little bit not like the amount was small but in comparison to what i was bringing and what you were bringing to the table yours was still lasting longer than mine and it was less than mine mm, i never even thought about that you know what i'm you saying what I'm like saying? yeah you're why are you now paying for my gas when i had more money when we got here yeah you're accumulating and accruing 50 dollars a week you know what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> i came with ten thousand from the summer Right. Why are you putting gas in my car? Why are we sharing McDonald's meals when I had that much? And so I think after our first year of dating, I started to shift that mentality. Because you already know, we was in the mall. Uh, yeah, we did go to the Friday, mall Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we eating out. We go in the restaurants. And, you know, now we're getting older. You know, we met at, what, 20? So now you're talking about yeah. 21. And now we want to go hit, hit up a bar. We want to go do all this stuff. We want to go kick it on the weekends. We want to go do these different things. And... Um, 
I'm also performing. So now I need clothes for shows and all that kind of stuff like that. And so I feel like I started to adopt a different mentality around my conservativeness and my stewardship around what I did have so that it wasn't always gone. Cause I know, uh, the two, two, three years, by the time I met you, I would always have to resort to using my credit cards by the end of the semester mm. when $10,000 should have lasted you. So like 10,000 10, in college, yes. what was I doing with that money to not have any in four months? A semester is not that long. I remember when you was telling me like you would, you would, pay for people um to go out to eat and stuff but like that was that. more so when i was at home though like i didn't really do that at much to school except for really? you okay well. but my point of saying that is like i started to realize my lack of stewardship um around that money just being with you and i'm like why is his coming in and mine has already been here but his is lasting longer you yeah. know what i mean um and so i started to shift my mindset of of what should I do differently? How could I do differently? Or where was I just being just all willy nilly for lack of better words of just doing stuff to do it. Um, and so I think when I came back that last year, my senior year of college, and I was contemplating moving to Atlanta, what I knew I needed was money. My dad, like I said, my parents' biggest principle is save your money mm-hmm. and have a, it's, it's don't let me find out nothing. <laughs> don't have no secrets. <laughs> like I do not want to find out. Tell me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, don't spend all your money and always have a plan for whatever it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so when I wrapped up with school and I came home and I'm like, I want to move to Atlanta in a year. My dad's first thing was, what's your plan? Yeah. What was your plan? The plan was to save $20,000. I knew if I had money, then they would at least be comfortable and I would have some solace around doing it. And I was always good at saving. I just always spent it. And so I started a new job in June. I graduated in December. I worked at a crazy, a a terrible job. I was making $400 a week. So, I mean, I guess that was still kind of good going from $1,200. I think by the time I graduated college. You were going to passports, weren't you? Yeah, but like by the time something. I gra- okay. before I by, before I graduated college, I was st- I was making like maybe like fourteen a check or whatever. Mm-hmm. So graduating and going to eight hundred bi weekly, it was like this not enough. Yeah. So a, that whole yeah. first six months of me out of college, I was looking for a new job the whole time I worked at this job at the passport agency. Then I get another job for the government. Um. Uh. And this was. What Marie said, a big dog job. A big dog job. <laughs> I was okay. making fifty thousand a year, and I'm like, oh, I am lit. Oh, it's it's about to go crazy. <laughs> but I was going to this job with the intent times. to leave. Okay. I was going to the job with the intent to make the fifty thousand for my move to Atlanta. You know, thinking back on it, like the the move to Atlanta, like how you move, would you would you do it the same exact way? For sure. Like you would save the same exact amount, and. Because you came here, you didn't come here with the job. Right. You came here with the internship. What I would have done differently is pay off my debt with the money I had. Okay. Because I had about three to $4,000 worth of debt that I felt like if I had money saved, then I didn't have to pay my debt because the credit cards would not be necessary or whatever. I could pay it over time. I also had taken out, taken out a personal loan Ooh. that was $500 a month. Oh yeah, let's talk about that. What about it? Let's talk about like because because you said like your mentality shifted when you met me, and we had a conversation before you took out the uh, personal loan, mm-hmm. and I don't even remember what I exactly said. You said you didn't think I needed to do that, but what? Wh- so why? backstory, obviously. Okay. 
um, I have this bright idea that I want to go to grad school one day. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I'm at work and I'm fired up. I'm excited. I'm like, I'm going to grad school. I have a music degree. I got a bachelor's in music. I'm going to go get my master's in entertainment business because I was moving to Atlanta. At this point, Atlanta was already in the works. I already had an internship mm-hmm. that I was working remotely at the time. Uh, or virtually remote is 2023 words. <laughs> yes, facts. I was working virtually. It's definitely not remote. Um, and I was uh, interning at a studio marketing. So I'm like, yo, if I go get my business degree, I'll become more credible. Mm-hmm. And the school was really incredible. I love the school. I love the program. I always wanted to go to that school, but I realized that I would have been in school for so long due to already have been somewhere else. Anyway, long story short, the day I decide this, I check this my mom she has a very bad well let me not say she's a bad habit because i have adopted the habit unfortunately but when we want to clean up (laughs) the mail always went on the front room table Mm -hmm. and when we wanted to clean up everybody just put the mail in the bag so unopened mail open mail just everything from that table would go in the bag to clean the table off because obviously we don't want a mail table Mm -hmm. But sometimes you need to go back to the bag because you put it in a bag. It's out of sight, out of mind. So that day I just so happened to be going through the bag of mail and I get a letter from our college saying that I owed money. Okay. And if I didn't owe them, if I didn't pay them by said date, which actually had passed by the time I read the letter, yeah, um, that they wouldn't release my transcript. But what do I need now? Cause I want to go to grad school. I need my transcripts. Oh, yeah. That's so right. the whole right. thing circles back around to me wanting to go to grad school. And because this was so huge, what y'all seen that real? That's like, this is a dream that I have had since lunch and I am not giving up on it now. And it's like when you get so gung ho on something, like nothing was going to get in the way of this. Mm-hmm. And so when I tell my dad that I owe to school, I think it was like $8,000 or something like that. I tell my dad this, and he's like, oh, just go get a personal loan. Why? Because you only know what you what you know. Or you only know what you might have been told. Or you only know what you would have done. Yeah. And I know that that's been the case with my parents. I know about payday loans, stuff like that. Woo. From their parents. So it's just, it's, it's just passed down information if yeah. that's what you would have done if that's that, what you have done that's before, what you, yeah, that's, that's what, what you've been indoctrinated in why yeah. because i had great credit i had a 750 you know what i'm saying i had money in the bank so i knew i would get approved three seconds they, they literally what they, they looked at me and said i was great seconds. same thing with my credit card the first time i went to get a credit card i got a credit card this i don't know if this is a hack i don't want none of the credit gurus to come in and tell people this was dumb but the day i got my credit card was payday Okay. And I told you my parents were big on saving. So if it's payday, I just got a direct deposit. So my account has four figures in it and my savings have multiple four figures in it. They look at my account and they approve me for $5,000. I'm like 20 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a credit hack, but you know, yeah, this was not financial advice at all. No, it's not because it's, it's lessons in, in, in what we're talking about. <laughs> but anyway, so I go get the personal loan. They approve me for 15000 I only need eight. I take the fifteen though. You took the whole 15 and only needed it. What did Why? you do with the other seven? I don't even know. Okay, so when did you contact me about this whole I thing? I told you when my dad told me that's what to do. I probably called you when I got the letter because I'm distraught about me being excited about grad school. Right. And now getting my dream shut down because I'm not going to be able to have my transcripts to go do it. Right. One thing I know about you is that if you want to do something, you I'm are going to 100% do it. Yes. By any means. Yes. <laughs> so you called me and I told you, it, I don't think it's a good idea. So for me, I was just thinking of it in hindsight, like, okay, a personal loan uh, is exactly what it means. It's personal. So it's going to your <laughs> personal credit 
and if anything happens, this is this is really this could be bad. This could be potentially bad. And obviously, financing it, you're paying way more than fifteen thousand dollars. But the thing was, I had a good job, and so one of the things that I wasn't thinking about is that I wasn't going to have a job anymore. And so, in in foresight, I'm like, well, I'm good because I can afford to pay for it. You can afford to pay the loan back, right? I could afford no, not even back. I wasn't even on back. Just can pay the bill. I could pay what you're telling me to pay every month. Okay, every month. Got it. But I wasn't. I was thinking of it because I had a job. Like I'm working. I have a job. I can afford to do this. I can afford to pay it. I didn't think about the fact that I was planning on not being at the job in a year. In a year, and I wouldn't have anything to pay it except for my savings. Right. And so eventually, like by the time we move here. My credit is trash because I have these credit cards. I have this loan. I have no job, and I've run out of money. Mm. Okay. So this this is our dynamic when we first get to Atlanta. Well, and your dynamic this was is her dynamic, <laughs> right? Because the thing was, I'm at work. You're at school. Soon as you no, tell them about your, <laughs> tell them right. about your uh your car play. As Maddie J would say, tell them about My the, uh, the refund check. <laughs> oh, look, look. So all right, so. For four years, y'all understand. I got my license in Britney's car. He did. We've like, been together like, for we've a long been time. A, we've been together for a long time. Although he shouldn't have been getting his license, but I should have been had my license before I even met her. So that's a whole nother. That's a thing. whole nother pod. Yeah, that's a whole nother pod. But um, so all four years, I haven't had a I haven't had a vehicle of my own, and I'm going to grad school to uh to play, uh to continue my my basketball season mm-hmm. my senior year, because I graduated early. Cause whatever. And then the reason why I was like, okay, I'm going to take the loan out. Well, I'm going to take the uh, the student loan out to the obviously you pay were for traveling it. was so that you can get. Well, yeah, the reason why I didn't stay on campus. Yes. I didn't stay on campus. I, I was going two hours to and fro. I didn't have to be there every day, obviously. But I was literally, this is a low point in my life, too. I didn't even think about this. Because I was, for a whole semester, I was sleeping on uh, my homeboy's uh, cot whatever it was it was futon. like futon back was hurting the entire season don't even know why but uh i did that i took this, the student loan out i think they gave me like ten thousand dollars whatever and i was supposed to be ha- i was supposed to have that money to pay for housing too mm-hmm. but i said forget the housing i don't need that you know what i'm saying i don't need that what i do need is a car so i use uh the majority of the money went to of course my my classes and stuff like that mm-hmm. the remaining of the money though i used to get me an actual car so i paid for a car cash a lemon definitely a lemon this, man, it got you to atlanta the mistakes though. we made huh it got you to atlanta it surely did it surely did so i bought this car cash uh with my dad and first of all we going all around town to get tags for we went to the hood to get the tags tags done from these africans you know that's a whole nother play <laughs> in itself yeah <laughs> That's a whole nother play. This is the Young and Dumb episode. <laughs> Literally, we take you through the whole entire like. Look, this is our this is our finance story. <laughs> but uh, I did that in order to get a to get a car so I can actually have um, transportation. And I remember picking you up for the first time, my own car. Mm-hmm. Listen, oh, that was a good that night. Was, that was the best feeling. That was a great feeling. He pulled up, picked me up. Would have been a Nissan Maxima. You know what I'm saying? This is favorite Blue, color. Favorite color. At that time, that was my favorite car. Oh, and he took me to Fogo de Chata. Oh, he was showing out with this refund check. <laughs> <laughs> he 
Got me a little telly that night. Yeah. Oh, we did. Wow. We. Oh, wow. Oh, Jesus Christ. We can only say that now because we're adults. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, no one's listening. <laughs> it's okay. We made it. But um, yeah, I did. I did all that just to get a fucker day child, y'all. He showed just to get a car. I had to take out that. Um, well, of course, I was already taking out the student loan to go to school. I never understood the refund. I never got a refund check. Well, that's. I mean, it's because you was paying out of pocket. I mean, I just didn't even know how to hustle that. You know, Um, it's really, it's really not. No one, you don't win. You, like well, understand yes. refund checks you don't win it's the I didn't money get a refund that check you want to pay in, back in grad anyway. school so in grad school i took the refund check because obviously i need the money by then right right it was like nine grand i surely took that took that yeah it, we, what we don't talk about and what you know our parents didn't teach us and what we have to do better is understanding what this actually means like we didn't understand that no yeah that's yeah yeah you can take the money now but you have to pay it back later in interest and everything else mm-hmm. like we're thinking we're getting a refund. No, you're just getting back money that you're going to have to pay back anyway. Right. So the responsible thing would have been to give that refund check to them back. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even want to finance that. But, you know. You live and you learn. You live like and you say, learn. But that's the whole is, point. This is the, So the whole point is now I moved to Atlanta. Um, and the circumstance is no job, which for me was still crazy. I honestly was shocked that I couldn't get a job because... Yeah, you applied to a lot. I applied to a lot of jobs, over 200 jobs because I have five years... Huh? Am I sweating? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> oh, my neck is hot. Well, I looked in the, I told I you to let that neck I was glistening. The neck is hot. No, my neck is definitely hot, but I can't, <laughs> I can't undo it. <laughs> got to keep going. So, I applied for over 200 jobs and I was pretty shocked because I had five years of corporate America experience um, and two degrees at this point. So I'm like low key flabbergasted as to why I don't have a job by now. Mm -hmm. And of course, I took it as a sign of you don't need that job. Oh, my gosh. Um, And so the 20,000 lasted me longer because you move with your car and a trash bag. Look, I moved with my car. I put all my clothes and shoes in that car and I was out. I was out to Atlanta. I ain't had no plan either, honestly. No, facts. Uh, the plan, well, I did have a plan. The plan was to get a job as quickly as possible. Facts. Um, so we were, we were grateful that I found Enterprise and it was literally my last resort. I'm like, look, I know it's a sales job, but I know my background, they're going to they gonna want to hire me. Facts. And that was the last resort because it took me a month and I had exhausted all options. I was like, look, I'm going to just pull out of here. Yeah, you was about to be at Kroger selling bamboo pillows. They, yo, can you imagine? You that? already was ready for network marketing. <laughs> I was so ready for, for network marketing. Like, they had me in the back interviewing to sell some bamboo pillows in Kroger's. And I'm sitting here like, they're going through the numbers of what you get paid in, in the breakdown. I'm like... Nobody. This wants. is dumb. <laughs> I'm not gonna make anything. You want me being here for twelve hours? You crazy? And they would call people in to come. Hey, we're having a sale in the back. I said I can't be this guy. No, That's hell hilarious. no. So now you get the job at Enterprise. I'm literally trying to figure out what life is going to be. Um, and I guess, like I said, my biggest mistake was indeed not paying off the debt because at least if I would have used some of the saved up money to pay the debt, the credit could have kept me a little longer mm-hmm. but with your job you know we were kept a little bit long i mean we were kept yeah no yeah my job definitely my job got us here yeah your, your job got us to atlanta my job kept us in atlanta because i would have been listen, on the first y'all, thing home 
we would have been on we would have been home within i would say four months <laughs> we would have been home four months into making this big abrupt move being grown as hell and young as hell but you know what the actual issue was what is that i think when you're that young um and not that we were really young because we were what 23 um, that's young we straight out of, high, uh, out of college facts but I think when you're that young, you don't think about income. You think, for me, I wasn't thinking about my income and the fact that my income was zero at the time. I was thinking about the fact that I had saved 20000 But without money coming into that money, it's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I started Ubering. I was getting up <laughs> at 3 a.m. No, I remember this. Driving to Alpharetta to pick up the people who were catching business flights early in the morning to take them to the airport because it would be the longest route. And if I did at least one of those and I got the people who were going back to my area, which was Sandy Springs, I'd be done by 7, 8 o'clock. I remember this. I remember this. And then I was babysitting. You were about to use babysitting white kids. Jesus, sorry to all our white listeners. They was white kids. But why do they have to be white kids? Because they were. Anyway. (laughs) I was babysitting these two kids. I was picking them up from the bus stop. Um, and then I would watch them, help them do their homework, you know, do whatever with them until their parents either got home or take them and drop them off to their respective sports, gymnastics, church, or soccer. Mm. And then I had my church job. So amongst all my three things, I was making like 15 because I think the kids paid me 300 a week. That's three. Yeah, it was, it, oh, was, it, was cool. it was getting my and then you were singing. You and then know? at church I was making two. So I was making about five a week. So I was bringing in two thousand a month. It yeah. didn't feel like it back it, then. It definitely didn't feel like it back then. Well, uh, rent was eight ninety nine back then too. Man, good time. If we could go back to them days. My God. Gosh, too many people came to Atlanta. Now we we were I and here's the thing, we were always comfortable though. Yeah. Um, obviously because we, we had those those two incomes. We had my job that sustained us. I think when I went to the airport, we really was kind of living in the most of abundance we could have. <laughs> oh, that's what the point I was about to make. When you're not thinking about the amount of income, though, mm-hmm. I was still living and spending money like I was making 1200 twice a month. Like I was making, you know, plus my church. So what did I say? That was like thirty, yeah, 3400 yeah, a month. I was still living a life like that. We going out. We partying. We we at the club. We going to hold on the wall buying drinks. We going to rest. Like we were doing things as if that wasn't really the case. Yeah. And I think that's the part where it's like you're not looking at your income the same way. You're looking at your income like it's always been and not what it is. You're spending money out of savings based off of the fact that I have something yeah. versus being like, all right, let me check out i can't do everything i can't do everything for I used the to do. sake of do- and it's like but when you move to atlanta you got friends that already live here it's like everybody wants to do something we moved in the summer of atlanta too yeah don't move if you move into atlanta don't but <laughs> if you do don't move in the summer <laughs> you're gonna spend all your money when you first get here because you're trying i mean it's summer in atlanta it's always something to do no 100 percent it's always something to do. But logically, I wasn't thinking about money that way. Why? Because I was so used to spending it from before back in college. Yeah. And I think, it. I mean, it was it, it was weird because, I, for one, let's go back. Because I just wish everything cost as much as it did back then. My God. Now. Oh, my God. Anyway. But you get the job. I'm in debt. <laughs> I'm trying to figure my life out. And then we get into business together. Mm-hmm. And let me ask you this. If do you think it's would you prefer to meet somebody in life mm-hmm. who already has it together? Mm-hmm. Or would you 
want to meet somebody that you could build with? Um, for me, I would rather meet somebody like how we met at our lowest point. We don't really bring much together to the table, but we can build a life together. Mm -hmm. um, that's just me personally, because I, I just feel like it's, it means so much more when you do win. Yeah. Because if, if say we met now, mm -hmm. say we met 30 and we both established and what we're doing, whatever it is there. I don't, I don't think the, the teamwork aspect would be as strong. Yeah. Because it's more so I've been living my entire life on my own, doing things on my own. So everything, every decision I've ever made was for me. Mm -hmm. How do I now share that with somebody else? Mm -hmm. When I've been living the same exact way for 30 plus years. When we met, we damn near met, we've been together almost as half of the time we've been alive. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we we got to we got to build this entire life together where we get to see each other's ebbs and flows. And there's a I think there's a there's a bigger connection there because now we understand where we were. I and mean, you can measure, like, okay, we're not nowhere near where we were when we first got together. Mm -hmm. And we're nowhere near where we're going to be 10 plus years. You know what I'm saying? Right. There's a measuring stick there. But if I was to meet you already in, already in your career, I think I just would have came to the table with a selfish mentality. I think it's harder. It would have been harder for me to adjust okay. in the different seasons of financial life um, because, because I met you at, up so it's like let's say you have a bad year or like you know mm. you're you're a trader right let's mm -hmm. say you have a year when you make half a million dollars uh you make a million dollars whatever and then the next year you do like 50 or you just have a terrible year you just out the game right. and it's like could i really adjust to who you are when i met you at who you were Exactly. I think because we've been together through all of those different things from like, you know, the $50, the $10,000, the whatever, and building and creating different financial uh, milestones that we've hit together. Like yeah. when we had goals of making our first six figures, yeah. when we had our goals of making our first six figures, ah, our first six <laughs> figures, <laughs> our first six figures in a year or saving, you know what I mean? Like when we hit those milestones together, they feel, like you said, they feel different because I I do remember figuring out how we're going to get gas. I do remember, you know, okay, cool. As long as it's, it's fruit in the freezer mm -hmm. and I got a full tank of gas, I can make it till next Sunday. Yeah. You know, I remember that stuff. I remember how hard you hustled. I remember how much, you know, effort went into us paying. Like our first year in business literally is what paid for our, our, our wedding. Yeah. The, no, the 1099 was the exact amount that was spent on our wedding. That means I worked my ass off for a year. To build my business, to pay for my wedding. Yeah, to not to not come into the marriage with with that kind of debt, and I think um, it just for one it it allowed us to grow to grow together and grow stronger. But I just feel like people that that do meet and and not necessarily saying that's a bad thing. If you meet later in life, you meet your spouse later in life, like you can't win or you can't you know be in a relationship right and coexist. I I just feel like you open the door to get to, to being with somebody because of, mm. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And not, uh, in, in spite of all these things, I still love this person. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, like you don't know that person with their back against the wall. You don't know that person 
uh, through things until you see it. So now you got to make a decision like, okay, do I? Do can I, I stand the rain? Can I, like, like what we talked about in the four seasons of marriage, like, can I stand this season yeah. with this person? Mm-hmm. Because maybe they're a whole different individual. Maybe it's some, something that you can't even, you know what I'm saying? You can't even vibe with. And I think it's, I, I think it just opens the door for, for a, a harder, a harder, not necessarily marriage, but a harder, um, dynamic dynamic you know what i'm saying but even so like when we got together and we moved to atlanta i had a I, it was very hard for me because i had always been the one making more money to ask you for money when i wasn't like when yeah. i was down mm-hmm. i was not rocking with that and i felt that that was very weird because well, i i had never asked you for money before mm-hmm. i never had to yeah no i mean i get it but i how i saw it is this wasn't this, this, it was never my money you know what i'm saying it was never just just like my money and that's and that's another thing like i feel like if we meet later in life and i'm in my in my career if i'm making my money i'm gonna feel like that's my money you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying and if you're going into a marriage as one how can you have that mentality i agree with that that's but you, it, was, it took a while for me to get to that and i think what helped me get to it was when you didn't have a job i didn't have a job but we had a business right there was no yours and mine yeah it was always ours and i (laughs) (laughs) it was always ours because you and i gonna hold you i missed i missed when malka had his money man because me too i I ain't gonna lie let me not say that (laughs) it wasn't always ours like it was technically ours but i feel like i still operated like it was mine until you left the job god okay since i was technically like at 70 80 percent business and you were still like part-time yeah it wasn't until you became full-time yeah that it was like all right for real that's our money especially when he tried to start regulation oh definitely because when i came when i when i came off the job and started to look into what we were doing i'm like what in the hell yes this no this something has to change the bills (laughs) were paid there was money in the savings account I didn't see any problems. Right. And for people to understand, like, you need to do multiple audits on your on your own finances. But I mean I think you for, grow through that. Yeah, no, that was a growing moment in our in our relationship because we hadn't had that kind of problem up until that point. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to face each other in in that in that way. Or who you are with money or how you are with money. And then I think you feel like I was I was like intruded in in what was your job in your space in our family you know what i'm saying like you were to me and, and, and i was you were but you have to understand like i feel like in in any stay-at-home mom or yeah because or, or wife like i think it's different when you feel like what do i bring to the household if i can't do anything financially mm-hmm. and so the least i can do is make sure it's clean make sure you're eating and make sure like the household mm-hmm. is taken care of financially from the money that you bring you think about like our grandmothers and you look at movies like fences where like he went and worked all day and he came and brought his money home to his wife mm-hmm. she took care of all the stuff so i mean that could be black money trauma again True. that could be you that know that could be generational whatever i never really saw my parents handle money i just know my dad said that my mom pays the bill (laughs) Mm because that was not his forte Mm -hmm. um you know what i mean so i never i also felt so because i heard that it was kind of it wasn't instilled in me but i took that on as a i should be handling this part of our finances but i think it is important in relationships to be okay with who's better at what yeah 
I think I, I think that's that was the deciding factor in our relationship. Like we started to understand each other's uh, talents and gifts and everything else. Like, okay, what keeps you up at night and what doesn't keep me up at night? You know what I'm saying? And we started to have these real conversations around money, which I think a lot of couples may shy away from just because they, they don't really know how each other operates, um, you know, individually, financially. And what? I think it's hard because in relationships, you're trying to be nice. Mm-hmm. And you're trying not to be offensive to now say, Mm-hmm. You are spending too much of our money, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. or, or, or let's say in the in the instance of when I was bringing in more of the money of than me saying to you, like, bro, you don't have no job, you don't have a say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do I make sure that my man feels like the man of our home in those seasons, you know, yeah. and not be spiteful? But how can we still have conversations if there is an issue? Like, hey this is the dynamic. I'm not knocking you for not having no money, but here's what I think we need to do mm-hmm. to make, maintain what we do have. What we do have. Yeah. You know, um, even now we've had conversations where it's like discussing the difference between wanting more money and needing more money. Like we need more yeah. money. It's like, no, we don't need it. We prefer this <laughs> number every single month Yeah, <laughs> is what we are accustomed to. We have made our lifestyles around. I want that. Right. I want it though. I don't need it. But you don't need it. Yeah. It'll be great. And it will be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So moving on. <laughs> no, I think not because because you kind of touched on it. Us when we first started to now jump in income. Because obviously all over these years we've been building, we've been building, we've been building our businesses, and we now start to see the fruits of our labor. Mm-hmm. How do you think a relationship changes when two people are working together and now they start to actually make the money that they always, you know, dreamed of making, so to speak, or had goals of making? Mm-hmm. When they start making that, did you see changes in our relationship at all? I think the biggest change when when money <clears throat> when money came into the picture and, and it started to grow, I think the biggest challenge was now focusing on the the relationship hmm. because money i believe at the time at that time money became the focal point and for most marriages for most relationships finances is the number one cause for divorces the it number is. one cause for for people not being together is always back to money and so in my mind and I, you can you can tell me what your mindset was but as the money was being taken care of it's like i felt like nothing like we're good because we got money now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's like not realizing that if I don't water the grass, that was here first too, which was just me and you. If something were to happen, if we were to fall on hard times, how would our relationship be able to withstand that test of time if we don't continue to work on the relationship, which I feel like we talked about too in like the four seasons of marriage, but in, with money in particular, like it's something you talked about, I think in like our first season when you were like, I felt like I was prepared to be a dad just because I had money. Yeah, literally. And so I feel like money became so much more of the focal point. I feel like when you don't have it, it's a focal point. But when you have it, it's like what's it's never enough. Yeah. And 
the genre of business that we were in, it's always focused on the next. Like you right there. Because the truth of the matter is in our business, like if I had to take you through a timeline, it took us 18 months to reach a six figure income, not make the six figures, but reach a, 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 a dollar amount in which every single month, if we made that for the next 12, we would make six figures. Correct. So in our, that's 18 months. I think in that next year, we did our first six figures in a year, mm-hmm. but it was like, it went from, it took us six months to go from making 10,000, really about 13, $15,000 a month to 30,000 a month, mm-hmm. six months. It took us 18. Crazy get, leap. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like when you start to see how much faster it's happening from the time you put in over that 18 months and at 18 months, we have been living in Atlanta for three years. So it's like, I'm really looking at it from a three year standpoint, but at three years, we've been together since 20. At this point, I'm 20, what, 26, 27? Yeah, well, t- you know yeah. what I'm saying? So you really, I'm not looking at it like, like we've been really putting in work together for six, seven years. Yeah, no, that's real. You know what I'm saying? Within our relationship. So I'm looking at it and it's like, well, if I could do this in 18 months and then I could do this in six months, how long is it going to take us to do it again and get to 50,000, 70,000? I feel like the more money we were making, the more we were also arguing about money, though. Yes, because that's when we realize how differently we see it. Exactly. I think that's when it's heightened. That's when you actually see your difference in opinion, your difference in, in mentality, uh, your difference in habits. Uh, when 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 you haven't had for so long together and you, you finally start to come up together, now you start to really see that dynamic. And I think for us, uh, it was, we didn't, uh, we were, so, like you said, we were so focused on building, building and making uh, more that we wasn't focusing on building our relationship at that particular time and dealing with the issues that were coming up yeah because the focus was continue to build this business because at the end of the day as long as we got money we're gonna be fine right you know what i mean but like i i think like what you said that was really really powerful is like under that's where we started to understand our dynamic mm-hmm. in spending and saving and security versus risk and i'm gonna invest back into the business kind of person you're a this ain't going to be making money for forever. It's just not the law of anything. <laughs> and, and, and let's talk about that because for me, I'm a, I understand I, and I'm okay with investing back into the business. I always felt like we needed to put a percentage on it because I felt like we were, we, because we had it, we were just, we were just reinvesting this money. And it wasn't this even, money. but it wasn't Instead of, just, sit, you know, sitting down like, you're okay. Let's pick a number percentage wise that we're going to reallocate to our business. So we're not because there's there's uh there's a possibility not even possible you can over and you can over invest into your business yes to the point where it doesn't bring you ROI. We talk about what to do with a dollar. We talk about how to allocate the money, but it's how long do you operate in the principles or what aspects of the principles do you operate in? Um, and for those of you who are new to the show, uh, we talked about this. I'm pretty sure maybe season one, maybe season two, but when we talk about what to do with a dollar, right? The breakdown for us is if I have $1, 10% of that, I pay myself. 10% of that same 100% goes to tithing or charitable giving, whichever one works for you. Um, 15% of that is supposed to go into reinvesting back into your business or into education. 15% of that goes into your savings and investments, um, 25% to taxes and 25% for your living expenses. Mm -hmm. We spent so much of that time making sure that our living expenses were under 25%. 
Oh yeah. So that we can have more money to re it's like, it's kind of like sometimes when you start to learn too much, you find a way to finagle yourself out of what you should probably be more focused on. And what I mean by that is while I'm thinking about it in, in hindsight, right? We spend so much time getting our fine, our, our living expenses under 25 mm-hmm. by making more money. Right. And, um, I mean, lowering, obviously lowering our expenses, but really just making more money. This point, I think our living expenses might have been at like 8%. -hmm. 8% now allows us to put more money into our savings, which we did, but it also allowed us to invest more into our business. But the trick that you'll give yourself is, well... If I invest more into my business, then it lowers my tax expenses. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like sometimes you'll use certain things to make yourself okay with what you probably should still put a limit on. And I know that was one of my toxic traits of like, but I know in full circle when it comes to tax time and we done made all this money, we're going to need these write-offs. Right. Which is true. Which is true. And I think the lesson in that and and what we wasn't kind of understanding back then is that there's so many other ways to tax plan and put money aside that you can save, you can save money for tax, not for taxes, but you can save money and not having to having to give it back in taxes in different ways, except for, you know, outside of just buying this and buying that and buying that and, and calling it a write-off. We didn't necessarily have to do that in the, in the capacity that we did. And we didn't mm-hmm. understand that back then. Yeah, no, that's fine. But our first time making that, you know, a lot of money. I think that's why it is important to put yourself around <clears throat> the right people and not just in mentorship, but actual people who work in those fields. Because I think that's where you really, really started to understand tax planning, financial planning and tax planning mm-hmm. based off of the amounts that your business is projected to make or that you made last year, which now you're looking at, like you said, well, there were different ways to do it than to just buy more stuff. Right. You know, it's so, it's so many other ways. And and if I had to tell somebody, like, look, if you are making more money than you've ever made right now, there's so many other ways of of saving yourself from a huge tax bill than you just going out here, okay, let me buy another TV for my, uh, for my own, <laughs> at home TV business. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Oh man, because we we went home based business. Mexico was definitely a well. We did work on that trip more than we We were supposed to, but we we did. We did. We you know we saved for that right off. Okay. My gosh. So let me ask you this, because I know that you are a personal finance coach, and one of the things that you do talk about is tax preparation. If you had to, of course, obviously not giving everything away, but well, no, you know, give the value. Obviously, that's what people buy. That's what people pay for. (laughs) Um, but. What are some different things that if you knew today what you know back when we made, um, you know, multiple six figures in a year? Okay. What would you have done differently versus focusing on the multitude of reinvestment that I could do into my business versus, or you know, buying more things for my business? What are different tax preparation things that somebody could who's listening who may now be like, well, I wonder what I could have done or do? What yeah. would you tell them? Uh the, I'll, I'll just share the one main strategy that we did and I wish I would have done sooner, like you said. Uh, I would have started a corporation, not an LLC, but a corporation, and I would have paid myself and you as employees of our business. So what that means is, say I make $500,000 in revenue mm-hmm. this year from my business, and I put put myself and you on payroll, mm-hmm. And I give myself a salary of one hundred fifty thousand, 
and I give you a salary of 150000 or whatever it is, that 300000 automatically is a tax deduction from your business. So now you're, on, you're, you're being taxed, not even taxed on, but you're now uh, in, the, in the IRS eyes, your revenue is 200000 mm-hmm. not 500 So now from that, what can you deduct as far as expenses-wise that you've had for your business? Because you could have spent maybe $150,000 on your business this year but and have nothing to show for it. So how do you, how do you lower your tax bill where you're not paying a tax bill of 500000 but you're paying on a tax bill of maybe 50000 mm. Because now you have $150,000 in, in expenses for, for your actual business, and then you pay just your employees, yourself, and, your, and, and uh, whoever else, your partner. That is an automatic expense. Well, now that takes your that takes all the revenue down to now you could be possibly either either getting a refund or you get you cannot owe anything. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's something we did. But then you have to pay personal taxes. <clears throat> you do. So, so that's the thing. So you pay personal taxes, mm-hmm. but you'll get refunds from your personal taxes. Got it. You know what I'm saying? So you're gonna have to pay some kind. Here's, here's the thing that that entrepreneurs struggle with is that they struggle with proof of income. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to getting a house, when it comes to getting an apartment, when it comes to doing anything, trying to finance anything, you can't. You don't have any proof of income. All you guys are ten ninety nine. That doesn't. That doesn't tell somebody anything. Right. So now, if you do make yourself an employee, you do show a W two at the end of the year, which now gives you proof of income. Now you can actually afford to, in their eyes, whoever whoever you're trying to mm-hmm. accredit it shows them that okay, they are making money. Right. They do have a salary. Mm-hmm. They can afford to live here. They can afford to do this. You know what I'm saying? No, that makes sense because I do talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, like even in the hair salon. I'll be talking to people, get my hair done. They're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how to get this apartment because, you know, I made 90000 last year doing hair. And, ooh, Jesus. Ooh. Ooh, I heard ooh. that. <laughs> First Jesus. of all, y'all, let's talk about 30 and my knees cracking. But anyway, I talk to people in the hair salon all the time. And they're like, yo, you know, I made 90000 last year. I made 120000 doing hair. And all I got was cash apps and sales and all that. And they don't think I make any money. Um, exactly. So I think that was a gem. I hope y'all took that. It's going to be the best sound bite uh, on social media because <laughs> that's valuable. Yeah, no, seriously, I, I think. And like you said, to that point, like that person, they made that money. And they don't have a, a track record of you making that money. Right. It shows whoever, a creditor or whoever that. You don't make any money. So you open yourself up to that much. You open yourself up to being audited even more. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if you're going to be a business owner, make yourself an employee. Even if you got an LLC, make yourself an employee of your LLC so you can have an immediate tax write-off. I hope y'all wrote that one down. That's that's definitely good. Did you feel like we dealt with greed at all? Definitely. I think greed set in... Greed set in for us, I would say, especially for me, was when it's just like I'm so close to that next level, which is what I was talking about in regards to um, network marketing is one of the greatest industries to start your entrepreneurship journey. But it's also one that gets you kind of effing confused Mm -hmm. (laughs) or it's like you can't live in a life live in a world that doesn't provide you an opportunity to make income like that like I can literally just do more today Mm -hmm. I can go I'm just one person away Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying from them bringing in 1500 people into my business mm-hmm. um which is true and it's just in different businesses just whatever business model you do but network marketing is one of those ones where like you'll start and 
for for us, we sucked. <laughs> My first time in network <laughs> marketing, I was in it for a we year and literally made $35. So one, I was surprised that I ever got a second call from the same person who <laughs> put me in that one when they know I suck. Um, <laughs> real, Think about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, but to be able to go from doing uh, one business for a year, not making any money to being able to make your first six figures or hit a six figure income in 18 months, it showed me the power of work. It showed me the power of persistence. It showed me the power of consistency. That's why I think network marketing is a really, really great. That's why you hear a lot of entrepreneurs who are multimillionaires and billionaires and been in the game for years always say, if I could go back, I would have started in network marketing. Why? Because you don't have the same overhead of starting your own business, Mm -hmm. but you can make more money because you're on commissions. And so um, within that system that we had, it was like going from 10,000 a month to 25,000 a month to 50,000 a month. It's like, why? Like I'm so close to, you know what I mean? And when you look at it from the way that our business was structured or way that those businesses are structured, it's really about people. It's about the volume that you're bringing in the company, which translates to dollars for you. Mm -hmm. And so we got to a point where we were literally We only needed 900 customers. And the way we were working at that period of time, it wasn't even about the 900 customers. It's now that it's not even just us making money. We had, what, 12 individuals that hit $10,000 a month incomes. Mm -hmm. So I already now know how to get to 100,000 a month because at that point we only needed a couple of more people. I think we needed, what, like two people to get to $10,000 a month. Mm -hmm. If we helped two more people make more money, then what we wanted will be taken care of. And so it's kind of like you get caught up in knowing that your money is in helping people and servicing people. So I want to service more people. One, because I want them to experience what I've experienced because I know what it's like to not have anything. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to build something from being bad at it and, and becoming a professional at it. And so I wanted more people to experience that. My greed came from that too, but knowing that what it translates to. Nobody can tell you that it's always just about the people. That That is a lie. You know, hundred percent. It's about the people. It's about the people until it's not. It's about no, no, no. It's always about the people, but you cannot act like the people don't equal the dollars. Yeah, no, hundred percent. You know what I mean? They're, they're I know your capital. The more people that I help, I get what I want. I get to where I want to be. All of that happens as long as I help more people, mm. and so it was. It was the driving force of wanting to help more people because I knew nine hundred people away from six figures a month now and so i think the greed comes in like yo it's right there i've done this before i've gotten to the point where i know the system i guess what i'm hearing you say is that you were always looking for more always and you were never content with what you had even when it was in you was in abundance yes got it i think for me looking back when i knew we were greedy (laughs) (laughs) Just back then, we we were heavily invested into uh, crypto. Still is, but yeah, still um, still are. But shout out to crypto. We, we were, believe in you, man. We believe uh, in you. <laughs> we were we were investing in the crypto heavily back then, and this one particular time, we invested really like a probably a couple hundred dollars into uh, this this coin called Shiba. And for people that shout out to Shiba, listen, shout out to Shiba. For people that's listening that that know. They know. Okay. So we we invested into that. Was it six months earlier than when it then when people heard yeah. about it? Um, yeah. And we started telling people around us. 
because it wasn't even easy to get at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw somebody posted on their story. It said S-H-I-B. And I was just so locked in. <laughs> yeah. I was so locked in. I'm like, this got to be something that's going to make me so We was looking, look, we was looking for a lick. Anything. And that's the, that's the but greed But it didn't aspect. even take six months, babe. It didn't. No, I'm it saying. It didn't take six months. It didn't take six months. But what I'm saying is. We we were searching for an opportunity to invest into that was just going to make uh, us a million dollars. That was just going to make us a million dollars in one day. Yep. And we you know we was trying to hit a lick because we were getting we you know I think the more you make the more you you do have to control your your greed factor. Mm-hmm. I you know as a professional trader I'm a, I I know I, I understand this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying it's very hard to do and not and it's really a, a learned behavior. But we invested maybe a couple hundred dollars into this this coin. I would say not even a month later, that couple hundred dollars turned into I think twenty thousand dollars profit. Twenty thousand dollars. Our bro DL hit us up. <laughs> y'all, we like, giving y'all the real figures because niggas. y'all have to understand, <laughs> like, how greedy we were. You know what I'm saying? Like, he texted the chat that morning. I know we woke up, and he was like, "Yo, check y'all account." You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and I'm like, "Yo, I told you about it." Yeah, and we were up twenty thousand dollars, and the y'all. mindset was, "Oh, this is the one. It's gonna be a hundred thousand. We a million dollars, one coin." We just knew this investment was gonna be okay. We good. This gonna be this gonna be the million dollar hit. You know what I'm saying? And we watched that joint get to twenty thousand, and we didn't take any money out. Then we got scared and and pissed that we didn't take the money out. Took it out at the low because because eventually, of course, it went up, and it, obviously, what the market does, it corrected itself. It came back down. That twenty thousand was no longer twenty thousand, y'all. Then we take it out, and then what happens? We would have made a hundred thousand dollars, like we so, thought. So we take that we take that money out. I don't even know how much profit we we. I I know we got at least four figures from it, but it wasn't the five 000. that we could have had. So fast forward six months later, that same coin shoots back up again but past the original place but past the original point of where we made the most profit and we were in well before the majority of people my god y'all when i checked the figures of what it should have been it was well over six figures multiple six figures looking back at that that's when i knew we we had gotten greedy and it's very easy to slip into greed uh the more money you make and what I think, what I think probably helped us, or not not even helped us, what we had to learn through and continuously learning through, is that it's okay being okay. That part, it's okay being okay, and it's okay to take profit. You know what I'm saying? Be be content with what you. If you've done more than what you initially would have done anywhere else Mm -hmm. be okay with that you know what i'm saying and it's crazy because i feel like i was telling you this the other day um ever since our son was younger i'm about to make a shameless plug because obviously i'm gonna have to now put the link in the show notes because i'm about to say this but when um our son was born one of the things i was like what do you do with a kid all day Mm -hmm. and so come across this play kids shout out to love every Every three months or two months, they literally send you toys curated to your child's age, um, month to month. So this is like, you know, newborn to two months or whatever, 18 months, 20 months. It, it sends you toys that help with their development 
during that period of time. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the beginning, I'm looking and I'm like, yo, how do I get an affiliation? Because I'm telling everybody about it right. because I think they're great. Cause all our friends were having kids and I'm seeing, we went to homecoming and it was uh, old teammates and people, other girls from other teams that were pregnant. And they're like, yo, let's talk, you know, we're talking about babies and stuff. I'm like, yo, get the love every play kids. Like they are game changers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why am I not getting paid for this? Hmm. And when you talk about stuff like greed, it's when I'm looking at it, I'm like, they only going to pay me, I think it was like $25 or $50 a play kit. Mm -hmm. So that means if somebody buys it, I'm going to get $50. And to me, that wasn't enough money. Right. But I didn't think about it's a subscription. So every three months, they're getting a new one. Mm -hmm. And after a year, the price goes up. For your first year, it's eighty dollars a kid. When they turn one, every month after that, I think it's like a hundred and twenty or something like that. So now the price even goes up. So the numbers change. But when I looked at the amount that the affiliation was going to pay me originally, I'm like, no, that's not enough money for me. Yeah. Same thing we were talking about. Somebody came up, came to us about um, what's the name of that company? I can't remember the name of the company right now. It, I draw a blank. But the person says, oh, it does three percent return a week. And we looking like, like 3%. 3%? Tripping, y'all. Tripping. 3%. Greed. Now we talking to people. This was at the beginning of 2021. I mean, 20, yeah, it was 2021. The beginning of last year, the beginning of 2022, somebody came to us talking about investment opportunity. They said, um, it does 3% a week. We're like, 3%? That ain't nothing. Right. G- goofy. One, goofy, greedy. Goofy and greedy. Goofy and greedy. Yes, because we we had we, yeah yeah it was goofy and greedy. You know what I'm saying? But now it's like when you think yeah. about three percent oh three percent times fifty two weeks yeah because that was at the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Now we in a whole new year. How much would it have accrued to? How much money? You know what I mean? How many people could we have put in position? Then started talking about affiliates and all. And I'm like, dang, that's my vibe. Like I love a good affiliate. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, it's a good and so, But it was the three percent where I was. I don't really need that, and because I didn't need the three percent. I didn't do the rest of the stuff that probably right. could have, you know, I'm hearing yeah. some of some people in there now. Somebody told me a couple of weeks ago, oh, yeah, crazy. I make it, oh, I'm making like 10,000 a week from this. 10,000. <laughs> tr- and I'm like, yo, I tripped. Yeah. We tripped. But, you know, I think the other thing about it is also being so reliant on money and losing the sight of God. Mm. For us, I think that really was a huge thing of like, we were so into god got us when we came to atlanta when we was in college um when we started our business but when we started making money it was like all right let's go keep going more money because the money got us not mm, god the not money god, yeah and so when you think of things like stories and, and correlations to what god taught us through the bible and when joseph told them yo there's gonna be seven years of plenty and then there's gonna be seven years of famine so you already know from from back in the bible th- days nothing ever stayed the same mm. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. In your years of plenty, don't only just store up for what you can do while it's plentiful, but to save for what's going, seven years is a long time. Mm -hmm. And so what are you going to do while you have the most so that in the season where you have nothing, you're able to not only just live, but live abundantly in that season too. And I think when you start to think, when you lose sight of those things and the things that got you there for us personally, that was that's what I would go back and change is is our level of humility as it changed. Mm. 
I got you. Yeah, I agree. Because I think humility I thinks agree. people think humility is like I'm walking around like, oh, peasant. You know what I'm saying? That's what people think humility <laughs> right, is. Like not. I'm not if I I'm humble as long as I don't treat people bad. Yeah. But it's like you can still be not humble to the person who gave it to you and think it's up by way of yourself. No, you're absolutely right. And I think I think that's why um when when I talked about a few episodes back that we replaced, you know, prayer with manifestation and we had to get back to prayer, not manifestation. You know what I'm saying? Not not just manifestation. Of course that that's a part of it, but it's not it's not the end all be all. Um so I think that you kind of said a life lesson. Low yeah. Key. Because even when I think about moving to Atlanta, I was very serious about uh, having that money. But the year I moved to Atlanta, I got a tax statement from my church of how much money I had given in tithes mm-hmm. to give back. Like, all right, God, I said I want to move here. This is what I want. So even in the season where I felt like we didn't have enough or things were changing, while you were finding a job, I was not having no money, couldn't have a job. We were still sustained. Mm-hmm because of the things that were done in the seasons of plenty. And so you're right. That's the life lesson. You got one and you good. No, I think that's the life lesson. Like, you know, in, in your season of plenty, you, uh, dang, I had a brain fart. What I, what I said, what did you say? Uh, I said in your season of plenty, you got to make sure that you're, you're stewarding well with what you have in those seasons so that you can, you're not, you're not, nothing's different. Right. In another season. And I think, if you're if you're in a relationship and you're you acting as a partnership, there is at least one of you are going to be the one to steward. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And allow that person to to uh to lead in that capacity. And you know we've done it. We we've, we've seen people do it. Um, and I think that is what will sustain you, uh, through anything else. Mm-hmm. If anything happens, if anything changes, whatever it is, in those years of plenty, be stewardful. Amen. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is this is a good one. The comment section is the part of the show where we answer comments that might have come via social media or um somebody might have reached out to us personally or through our email. Um it asks us a question that we're gonna answer live here on the show. Yeah, so I think this is a good one. They said, How do you deal with the power struggle when it comes to finances in a relationship? So basically like I think when you were talking about meeting somebody uh now in, in, in your latter years where you both are individually, you have been doing well you in your career, and now you come together, how does somebody deal with that power struggle of finances? Like, is it is it we or is it me? You know what I'm saying? I think, shout out to Deval and Kadeen. They just dropped a book. This <laughs> became a New York Times bestseller. It's called We Over Me. Mm-hmm. And um, I haven't read it yet, but just the name alone I think is the key to those things is to not think about yourself if you want to be in a relationship. If you want to be in a relationship, then why are we talking about my this and your that? Correct. Um, if the reason what we're combining is to create something bigger than both of us, which mm-hmm. is the we. Um, I think for us, that's really what our, our partnership has always been that. And you say something all the time to different couples and to ourselves is that, Somebody, one of us is never going to always be up. One of us is never going to always be down. There was a season where when we moved, we talked about it in this episode, when we moved to Atlanta, it was off of the strength of my work. Mm-hmm. But 
we were sustained in Atlanta off the strength of yours. And so it's never 50-50. It's never always 50-50. It's never always 100-100. It's never always 80-20. It's never always 20-80. You just never know. And so if you come in with a we or me, uh, a, a me or your mine and yours mentality, it's easy to when somebody else needs the support or things shift. Um, in, in 2023, people are losing their jobs every day. Mm-hmm. I literally have been, I'm, I'm seeing this on LinkedIn every day. People are losing their jobs. You're seeing Amazon and, and, and uh, Spotify and Apple and Facebook, and they're just laying people off. Yeah. And so how does that man or that woman come home to their partner and say, Hey, so-and-so just let me go mm. and expect this person to not be like, we good, babe. I got you. Right. Because it's a we thing. Or not like, oh, well, what you going to be doing while you home? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, we've talked to couples where it's like, well, if I'm working, then the least you could be doing is. And when you start to get in those kind of conversations, I think that's where you lose the partnership or you lose the teamwork. And sometimes it just may be off of delivery. Yeah. But I think you have to come into relationships with a partnership mentality, bro. Like, I can't be on a team and try to be a solo player. I need somebody to pass me the ball to shoot. Yeah, I think it's important to have um, uh, or at least communicate expectations, you know, amongst each other, especially in different seasons in in your relationship and in your marriage. Um, Like you said, there's people losing their jobs by the thousands right now. Tens of thousands. You know what I'm saying? So there always will be a diff. There will always be a change and not necessarily power. It would just be a change in uh, dynamics throughout your relationship and throughout your marriage mm-hmm. that um, you have to weather and you have to be on, on one accord with. And I've shared this with uh, with couples before because um, somebody asked me like, you know, I feel like I feel like we should have our money together, but he wants our money separate. And this and the third. And I, and I was telling him, I'm like, look, if I were you, I would I would find a way to to be to have a joint account. Because there's always going to be a seemingly power struggle uh, between y'all two because he feels like this is his money and this is your money. But if y'all became one, it's our money. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you open yourself up for so many problems uh, when it's not ours. You know what I'm and saying? And I think and- there's a way... I think there's a way to do that, though. Yeah, and it's that's a like way to do it. You're we right. put our money in this, like, in this pot, mm-hmm. right? Both incomes, everything that we bring in goes here. Mm-hmm. But from those here's, we when I talk about pay yourself 10%, we probably should have been doing five and five, but we was definitely doing 10 and 10. <laughs> um, pay yourself 10%. We both had two separate cards, or we had like one card yeah. that was like our spending money card. Mm-hmm. And it was your spending money, my spending money. There's a way, to, if you have a, a, a mine and yours kind of mentality, then there's a way to do it, but it has to come from the pot of wheat. Yeah. Like your, yeah. you know what I'm saying? saying like it still has to come from the pot of weed they're always going to struggle with power and i think it's also important to understand the dynamic of your relationship mm-hmm. right um we don't really operate in traditional gender roles where it's mm-hmm. like you're focused on or oh, i have to i have to be the sole income provider for my mm-hmm. family and that's probably because we both grew up in households where both parents uh, um, both people are working and both people are providing to the household um mm-hmm. whatever expenses um and so i think it's also important to understand the dynamic of your relationship because if you're in a relationship where you are like that and he wants to be the sole provider and you take care of the knickknacks or whatever you want to call it then in the case that that changes 
how do you make that individual feel? Because mm. I feel like in those moments, is it more important for me as your wife to pick you up as my husband to say, I got us, but you still the man of the house. Mm. So if there's a power struggle, that insinuates that if he ever fell on his face or something like that, that you're going to start trying to say, exactly. oh, I wear the pants now. Exactly. There should exactly. never be that kind of power struggle because I would never disrespect my husband mm. to be like, just because I make more money than you or just because I'm making more money than you. Because it could also, like I said, before this season, mm -hmm. that you trash. Yeah. And You're you right. need to listen to me. And this house better be this. And you, it's the least you could do while I'm out here working. You know what I'm It's not that. Yeah. <laughs> like. But I feel like, but you know what? It, I feel like this is a whole nother pod, though. <laughs> this, this part is a whole nother pod. Because I, I think we'll do this. We'll do another pod on this. Okay. Because what do you think about women that do, that do, uh, that do have their own. They're independent. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's harder for them to now be submissive and, and allow a man to lead because they feel like if I'm providing for myself financially, I don't need a man. You know what I'm saying? Like I think it can, it can start that way, but when it comes to submission and femininity, I think it has to do with you making me feel secure in that. Hmm. But the issue is that everything is wrapped up in money right now. The issue is that we're basing all of the value of each of us on the money mm. and not on ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like show me that you going to leave, leave, you know what I'm saying? Give me the security and you being my man and you being my rock and that I'm always going to be taken care of. You, we've never had an issue with submission. No, and, not at all. And I was bringing like, like, come on y'all from college, like $10,000, $50 a week, $10,000, $50, it was, $50 it a was week. Different. I My never, God. I never was in a place where I was like, nigga, you only make it $50 a week. Who are you? Why are you even talking to me? You know, why are you even talking to me, bro? We out here eating McDonald's, oh but when you eat God. with me, when you eat with me, I take you to Chipotle. That is funny as When you hell, eat with me, we yo. go to Fridays. Nah, you're right. You taking me to Applebee? Applebee? I don't eat Applebee's. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would. It's a whole, it's a whole, it's a whole masterclass uh, on that, on, I think, operating in your femininity. But, we will get we'll be that here all night on another pod. You know, this was this was a dope conversation. I loved it. Uh, a needy conversation. I think uh, a lot of people learn something. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, you learned something from our first time with money and what we kind of learned throughout the process and um, some of the things that we've implemented. Um, you know, the next the next goal is our seven figure year. We made seven figures in business. Um, but now it's like let's do multiple seven figures in a year mm -hmm. um, so you guys are going to be on the journey of what we've learned between that phase too and we can't wait to share more with y'all so with that being said thank you so much for watching another episode of the So Let's Talk About It podcast I am your co-host Brittany Garrison and I'm Malcolm Garrison and you can follow me at Brittany Donnell follow me at Malcolm underscore two underscores Garrison and don't forget to follow the show at So Let's Talk About It pod on all platforms and if you're listening on Apple Music don't forget to rate review you and subscribe and we'll see you guys on the next episode peace look guys 70 percent of americans don't have a thousand dollars in a bank account and it's not because they're financially illiterate or that they don't want to learn it's because no one has given them room to learn and that's about to change and i'm gonna tell you why i created a program called better finance academy a financial literacy program designed to put you in front of your finances present and future. We're going to show you how to protect your entire financial house, whether it's understanding your money personality or showing you how we created five different six-figure income streams within one year. See, Better Finance Academy isn't just talk. It's where talk meets action. Whether you've been in business for years or you're a millennial, 
looking to better your financial situation, Better Finance Academy is for you. So what I want you to do, I want you to go to betterfinancewaitlist.com so you know when the program actually goes live. Again, that's betterfinancewaitlist.com where coaching finally meets your financial goals. Now let's get back to the episode. Hey, listen, are you looking to take your So Let's Talk About It podcast experience to the next level? Well, you have to join the VIP circle. We're calling it the Close Friends. And the Close Friends is where you're going to get behind the scenes access, looking at what does it really take to create this show? And you're going to get first access to everything that we're doing. We're talking about live events. We're talking about merchandise. You're going to know first. But what I'm most excited about is a new segment we're launching to the show called the comment section. In the comment section, is where we're going to be answering your questions. We're going to be answering your comments and responding live on the show. And so we want to hear from you. This is not just us talking. It's not just entertainment, but it's a community. We're all on this self-discovery journey together. So we want to hear from you. So make sure you click the link in the show notes. So let's talk about it pod.com and join the VIP circle. Come into the close friends and we can't wait to hear from you. Now back to the show. <laughs> 